Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Godzilla, King of the Monsters, starring Claude Rains. Oh, wait a minute. Kyle Chandler, (laughs) Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Bradley Whitford, Charles Dance, directed by Michael Doherty. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. Today, we are doing something pretty unique. We're not starting a new cast. Instead, we're opening up some small batch film review, and we're doing that with yesterday's release of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, a sequel to 2014's Godzilla um, and a slight uh, spin-off from Kong Skull Island. And this is kind of the continuation of this new, what they're calling the Monsterverse. All these giant kaiju monsters all connected together. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if like, they brought the Pacific Rim um, things into this thing at some point to fight them. Yeah. But we got a lot to talk about today. I have actually haven't talked to Matt about what his thoughts are in this film. We usually do. So we're kind of going in blind. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious, but we'll get into that. Well, same but, thing for you because this is your wheelhouse. Yeah. There's not a bigger Godzilla fan I know yeah. than you. One of my franchises that I've loved since a kid. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that here coming up. So but I'm dying to hear your take on this. Let's say we open up some more of this Bib and Tucker. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm with you, Matt. Like, this one, like, I'd never had it before, but the taste is so good on the front end, and it, it rests well on the palate. This one's going in the all-time collection. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. This uh, Bib and Tucker is the bottle we're going to have to remember as sort of the go-to. Mm-hmm. So here's to you. Cheers. And here's to the being the yeah, king yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, king of the podcast. That's right. So we got a little bit of housekeeping um, to do before we get started. Last week, we had uh, proposed the question, oh, my favorite uh, nightcap actually which was which film set would you have liked to have been on i thought it was a pretty interesting conversation talking about films like heat and the evil dead and rocky and lord of the rings but a uh, shout out to track listing podcast this week who who gave their suggestions and they went with either 2001 a space odyssey which you know for a film 1967 what that film was doing ahead of star wars nothing short of technological brilliance like can you imagine being on the set there with all the people in the monkey suits and it'd just be weird, but like yeah. kind of in the in the presence of a total perfectionist, Stanley Kubrick. But then they mentioned another one, and this one was close to making it into my top five, and that was Mad Max Fury Road. Sure. What a fun journey to be on in the desert on that, like just that chase movie. It's a long chase. So of the Mad Max films, yeah. after Beyond Thunderdome, mm-hmm. that's a joke. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite Mad Max installment. Mm-hmm. Do you share the same sentiment? Yeah, I think it's the best one, actually. Certainly, yeah. yeah. It's terrific, isn't it? I never would have thought a fourth entry in a kind of C-tier franchise could be so awesome. You know what I loved about that? That large barge that shows up that has the guys drumming and the fire and the sort of rock yeah. and roll concert <laughs> yes, atmospheres are yes, coming to kill you yes. was so badass yeah oh my goodness yeah i love i love it so yeah shout out to them you know they, they got a pretty interesting podcast uh, you should definitely check them out you know they review some some like old albums and just kind of hash it out kind of like what we do so yeah amen to you guys um thanks for the shout out thank from you them to us too yeah so let's get to it. Let's start with our flight, as we usually do. Uh, since we're talking about the king of the monsters, Matt, uh, there's been a lot of cinematic monsters throughout history, from the advent of cinema to current day. Uh, what are uh, your top three favorite monsters in film? Okay, so we're going to go three, two, and one? Yeah. 
Okay, so my first one, or number three on the list, is the creature from The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, nice. Gilman. Gilman. <laughs> it's never really even given a name other than just The Creature. Yeah. That's an important film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Mummy's also very important, and we'll get into the Universal Monsters. And I'm actually, gonna, I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast myself. Okay. Yeah. But I just think at the time when the technology was so limited, yeah. and the amount of special effects probably matched that limited ability, mm-hmm. I just think he looks cool. Yeah. And the fact that they put that suit in the water, so there's an element of a diving suit yeah. to it that they kind of constructed into mm-hmm. this amphibious fish creature, yeah. his webbed hands and his webbed feet. If that was chasing me in real life, <laughs> oh, yeah. I would be scared to death. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's number three for me. That's interesting. That's an interesting in, uh, um, entry for Universal because they were that was like the tail end of their output for their monsters, like mid-50s. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of already entering into the atomic age with the giant monsters like Tarantula and the giant Gila monster and films like that. But yeah, the creature's got this this, this cool sense. It's great how he traverses through the water too. Mm-hmm. Interesting series too. Uh, followed up with like Revenge of the Creature and then the Creature Walks Among Us. You know something about that film? There used to be a series that they would do on Saturday afternoons where they would do monster flicks in mm. the middle of the Saturday afternoons. Yeah. And... Oftentimes they would redo that as 3D. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. to get the 3D glasses, I think he would go to Circle K and it was the one red, bl- yes. red lens and the red blue lens. Give you a hell of a migraine. <laughs> oh, no kidding. But that movie was done that way yeah. when I saw it as a matinee on Saturday That's with awesome. my 3D glasses. And it left a huge impression on me. I'm not the biggest 3D fan today. Yeah. But as a you know eight-year-old kid, that was pretty awesome. No, that's really cool. All right. My, yeah, num- my number, number three. three is actually the creature from the film we're going to be talking about today, Mr. Godzilla. Okay. Uh, well, I'll get into a little bit of why I think he's so great, but to be up to 35 films in a franchise that started in the 50s, like, my God, like, Bond hasn't even gotten that high, Marvel, Batman, like, it's got to be maybe the longest running singular franchise ever. I don't know the numbers on that, but... Yeah, he's gone through so many different iterations from just being campy to serious to being totally ridiculous. Um, yeah, I've always, I've always had something, you know, a little soft spot in my heart for, for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So he's number three. Do you remember the first, your age, the first time you saw a Godzilla flick? How think, old were you? I think I was either six or seven. And I remember which one it was. Say be- which one was it? Because yeah. it was, I think it was the Sci-Fi Channel was doing... Had just become a thing, actually, and they were doing like a whole marathon. It was actually Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, oh, yeah, or Godzilla versus Hedra, depending what, what part of the world you're in. Yeah, I loved it, and it was it was, it was so ridiculous. And there's something about the guy in the suit, like it's something nostalgic about that. But throughout the years, I found a way into seeing all of them. Again, I told you I was very. All American and Toyo, you've you've hit all of them. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah, I was very into the Roland Emmerich nineteen ninety eight. I think I saw that three or four times in the theater when it was out. I was obsessed. Wow. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Okay, so number two for me is mm-hmm. Medusa from Clash of the Titans. Mm. I've already spoken a little bit about that movie and the impact that that movie had on me. Yeah. I still love that sequence. Mm-hmm. I know it's sort of Jason and the Argonauts, claymation, animatronic. Yeah. Um, the way that Harry Hamlin as Perseus yeah. pursues her around the pillars and uses his shield as a reflective element and the mm-hmm. bows and arrows, I, I still love it. I watched it actually last night just yeah. to sort of refresh myself yeah. and see if I still liked it. Yeah. And the truth is I still do. That's cool. 
She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Isn't Medusa a great villain? Mm-hmm. You can't look at her, you're turned to stone. Yeah, how do you fight that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. From her acidic blood that burns his shield, I just mm-hmm. it's Medusa at number two. And I mean just barely from not being number one. That's really cool. Yeah, you know, all these the stop motion effects are really pioneered by Ray Harryhausen. He did Jason the Argonauts and right. did Clash of the Titans. Yep. And so many other things along the way. But yeah, he really perfected that stop motion. Again, nostalgic. There's some there's a nice ingenuity to that technique because it took freaking forever to do like to move it like a, a foot. That was like your whole day's work. Like yeah. it was time consuming. So when you see it pay off in a scene like that, that's really awesome. I love stuff like that. Great. Number two. Right. Number two. Uh, we're actually going to go back to 1982, a remake and a film where we're going to talk about this film one day and I can't wait eh, when we do. It's the thing. Uh, and we're talking about an alien creature monster that is pretty unique in that it assimilates the body, uh, the host body, mm-hmm. and makes a perfectly duplicate copy. So Matt could be sitting in front of me and he could be assimilated with the thing, but I wouldn't know unless he starts acting really weird. But what's great about the thing is how it manifests in many different forms in that film. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah, through the dog, through 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 Blair, through the the chest cavity, through yeah, just all these different characters, and so it's never really the same. It's always different, and the threat that if that thing makes landfall, it's curtains for the world. The thing that always leaves me at the end of that film is, I don't remember which of the members it is, but the one that they blow to Kingdom Come with the dynamite. Oh, Blair. Is it Blair? Wilford Brimley, diabetes. <laughs> so there's that one. And then the other one that they burn to bits. Mm-hmm. Um, Palmer. There you go. Mm-hmm. Think about if the thing operates at a cellular level yeah. and you blow it to smithereens, mm-hmm. you've just effectively created a million other things. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that the human race survives it's a the nightmare infestation s- it's of It's a the nightmare thing. scenario. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Like it, I know that movie had a prequel that a lot of people thought was bad. I actually rather enjoyed the prequel myself. Mm-hmm. But there's no question in my mind mm-hmm. that the thing wins in that story. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Yep. Um, okay, so good. Number two for you is the thing. Yep. Number one. Number one. The Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. This saggy-skinned, pale creature mm-hmm. sitting at the head of this table beyond <laughs> a feast like you and I have never <laughs> seen. <laughs> One rule, don't eat anything or you wake him up. Yes. How can you not? Yeah. So, of course, she does. And the bit with the hands. Yes. With the eyes. Yeah. And just the stalking nature that that thing yeah. comes down the hallway after that girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the pale man. I oh, just think that great. is cinematic mastery. Oh, that's good. He's so awesome. That's great. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, you got to hand it to Guillermo del Toro, who really has a... a a penchant for using practical monster makeup effects expertly in that film. He did it in his two Hellboy films as well, even in The Shape of Water, but on full display in Pan's Labyrinth. There's some great creature effects in that in that movie. Yeah. I kind of really wish, you know, Guillermo del Toro has kind of a sickness of um, saying he's going to make these movies and then he just never does. And then he makes like Crimson Peak, which was just shit. Garbage. <laughs> but he was going to do a version of Frankenstein. He was going to do The yeah, Hobbit before Peter Jackson came back. He was going to do his version of Beauty and the Beast. Like, those could have been amazing mm-hmm. with the effects work. Mm-hmm. Just a shame. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, okay, excellent. I, I love that one. Number one for me, I don't think it's any yeah. secret. Gee, where could this be? I already mentioned it before, but it's the Xenomorph from Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally, the like, a perfect creation. Mm-hmm. We already talked about it in that episode. Go listen to that cast, the Corporation from Hell, the entire thing. But you can kind of see uh, what we talked about with Alien with Giger's creation and the design and just the ecosystem that O'Bannon and Shuset created. It's It's perfect. It's... That's an unwinnable scenario, too. And I, I got to give just a quick thing, an honorable mention. Almost made the list. Real close. 1986, The Fly. Mr. Brundlefly. Kind of more of a tragic monster in the vein of a Frankenstein that what he's think, thinking he's doing in the, in the good of science actually backfires on him. And he just deteriorates and deteriorates throughout the film. Really disgusting-like. Until there's nothing left of him. And again, I, I, I kind of try to make my... Uh, Decisions based on, like, you know, the effects and the makeup. That's some great practical effect. I'll never forget when he pukes on a guy's leg and his leg oh. just dissolves. Oh, sorry. Yes. That's kind of gross. Yes. Love it. Love it. Let me tell you a funny story about that. There was a time when I was being courted by a producer in L.A. on the script that I had. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she was working at the L.A. Opera. Mm. And the production at that time was The Fly. Oh, wow, The Fly on stage. So I went out to go see the L.A. Opera's production of The Fly, and you want to know who sat two seats down for me? Oh, who? Gina Davis. Oh, nice. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, How was the play? Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. It was kind of crazy. The guy that, uh, Seth Brundle, when he becomes The Fly, mm-hmm. the theater was in a bit of an uproar because there's full frontal mm-hmm. from that guy, which I guess they hadn't done at the L.A. Opera at the time or something like that. Okay. So that was quite the moment for a lot of people in there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, she, two seats down, there she was. That's awesome. Do you like that film? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. My honorable mention is The Predator. Oh, yeah. I mean, we left that one out too. Mm-hmm. And I kind of purposely left it out because it just seemed a little bit on the nose. Mm-hmm. Like for you to do Alien, of course, and me to exactly. do The Predator is a little bit on the nose. Yeah. But, uh, and then, you know, the other one too, that this one was a legitimate concern and a tough choice for me at number three was the bride mm. from the bride of Frankenstein. Great. Character. She looks killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think that's a pretty awesome list of monsters. That's really good. Yeah. If you want to give us yours, yeah. Hit us up on any of the social media platforms. Shoot us an email. What are your favorite cinematic monsters? Let us know. All right, Matt, let's get to what we're here for. I'm excited. I'm a little, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to, what to, what to think, but let's get to our review of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, opens up with actually kind of a bit of a recap from the prior film set in San Francisco as Godzilla's just making shreds of the city, uh, fighting the other Mutu praying mantis things. And we're introduced to um, the, the Russell family, and they're looking for their son. We just hear these calls, uh, played by Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga, uh, for their son Andrew, and they can't find him. And then, obviously, he's perished, so we cut to present day. And, you know, grown up, um, uh, the, the, the daughter, Madison, played by Millie Bobby Brown, and her and mother are kind of doing an interesting thing. Kind of don't know where dad's at at this point, but uh, there's some type of connection. But, like, Madison's already kind of, like, a little worried about the mother. Like, mom's acting kind of weird. Something's off with mom. Yeah. 
and they're actually living on um on these outposts these monarch outposts that are kind of positioned all over the world where they're kind of studying these uh dormant titans in just different parts of the world i believe they're in china at this at this at this point under and they've unearthed or woken up uh mothra yeah in cocoon larva state so of course they wake it up it starts freaking out starts webbing the guys to the to the thing but she's made an interesting creation called the orca which she's able to kind of like kind of piece together the vocal patterns uh based on i think like you know part part of like godzilla and some some other things and, and like and like other vocal registries to communicate with these things otherwise it'll just tear you to shreds right but they're going to use that to, to kind of wake them up and you know kind of study them but then then the movie just get just goes nuts like instantly because they're kidnapped and abducted by these eco-terrorists played by charles dance and this is where the movie kind of gets really confusing and you're kind of wondering like, yeah, what, what, what's everyone's like goal here at, at, at this thing? I think everyone in this film is a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's like a hero like that you, Kyle root, Chandler. that you root for. Yeah, kind of. But even he's real docile to, to like Godzilla, like at the beginning. But yeah, the, the, it was really hard for me personally to like root for anyone in this film. And I don't even know if I was rooting for the monsters just because, uh, they were you know when they were in it it was just it was just you were so bombarded by monster action so let's talk about something real quick 2014's godzilla i think that was a film you and i were both really excited to see i think a great trailer if i had to put it in my top 10 trailers it's going in there it's an amazing trailer but the, the movie's fairly pedestrian it's a little boring swimming version of pedestrian yeah swimming so if we call 2014's godzilla swimming i'm gonna call 2019 king of the monsters just loud because jesus christ like they couldn't <laughs> i don't like when these studios try and answer to fan service obvious complaint you know man of steel had the same thing like sure. oh you have all this destruction you don't address it and this and that and then we got batman versus superman and we know what that was same thing here there was no Godzilla. oh we'll give you the action now but then now it's too much like now now i'm like overwhelmed with how much you're, you're giving to me so i can't i want the middle ground there so two things about that. Let's yeah. go back to the active protagonist in the film. Yes. I think this is a really important moment for me in movies, and maybe you can give our listeners some insight here. Yeah. Titles of films matter. Mm-hmm. Juno, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, movies that have the character's title in it mm-hmm. usually speak to the story being a character study of that particular character, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. The Graduate, even though it's not Ben Braddock, right? Mm -hmm. So, title of this movie is Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Now, this gets into a larger theme that maybe we'll address further, but maybe I'll just hit it now. Yeah. Regarding three specific movie monsters that I want to bring up. So, you let me go here for a minute? Go ahead. Okay. I want to talk about werewolves. I want to talk about the Hulk. And then I want to talk about Godzilla. Werewolves suck, Jesse. Not because they're scary or because you wouldn't want one chasing you Mm -hmm. because the crowning moment, whether it be thriller or the howling or American werewolf in London Mm -hmm. is the transformation from human into werewolf Mm -hmm. as wolf, as werewolf. It's a pretty linear character path. It's mate and eat. It's really hard to draw a lot of complexity out of that. So with werewolf films, Mm -hmm. Once the conversion has occurred, and we've seen the transformation, which has to be awesome or the movie's going to be completely unbearable, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm looking at you, Wolfman remake. And I no, and I love the original Wolfman. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, but it's an 85 minute film mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of story in there. Yeah, and if the wolf isn't eating, then the wolf needs to be mating. Yeah, and that's a movie that the how that's you know that's something that the Howling kind of played around with a little bit and it didn't really go over very well for audiences. Maybe it was Howling 2, but there's a mating scene in one of those Howling films. Oh, Howling 2 is a piece of shit. Well, even Howling si- 1 is also. Let's be frank about it. Your sister's a werewolf? Yeah. Okay, so no, it creates you. a problem. Yeah. The same thing as the uh, exact situation with the Hulk. Mm-hmm. We like the change of Banner to the Hulk because it's fun to watch. Yeah. But the Hulk also has a singular goal yep. and it's smash. Yep. So now they've changed that with Professor Hulk a little bit, but now you've kind of defanged what makes Hulk Hulk. Yeah. Those two characters, the Hulk and werewolves, mm-hmm. work as side characters. They can't carry a film. We've seen it twice with two very different iterations of Hulk movies. Yep. Worked really well in Ragnarok for mm-hmm. what he was. Yeah. There's moments in the werewolf pantheon that they work. Mm-hmm. But my favorite werewolf of all time, honestly, people may freak out on this. Jacob from Twilight. Yes. No. <laughs> it's Michael Jackson. Like Thriller, mm-hmm. that 12-minute video. Like yeah. those pieces. And I know it's ripped off from I Was a Teenage Werewolf. But that's I think that's amazing. John Landis teen- at the ti- the height of his power. Yeah. Okay, pre, so now we're, pre, Pre-Twilight Zone accident. So let me give you... This is all getting back to the title of film, and I promise I'll tie it all up. Yeah. Let's get to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It also suffers from the same thing. Yeah. There's no ability to communicate. Now, the Orca, that device you were speaking about that Verifar Media yeah. has mastered, yeah. tries to... To bridge that traverse of uh, miscommunication or incommunication. Yeah. But Godzilla's sole purpose is crush. Yeah. And destroy. Right. So you can't get a lot of diverse, complex Mm -hmm. story. And again, I'm not necessarily looking for a character drama in Godzilla. But here's the thing. When Godzilla is on the march... And he's in the pat, and things are being destructed. Yeah. If he's not fighting a capable foe, yeah. whether it be multiple allies, if it's the military, yeah. it's not even a contest. Yeah. He's just going to smash the shit out of him. Yeah. And so, with each of those three, and we could go on to other monsters mm-hmm. as well, yeah. you have a problem if that's the driving story in the movie. And yeah. by definition, Werewolf, the Hulk, yeah. Godzilla, yeah. it is their movie. Mm-hmm. You have to take your sub characters and create conflict, which then gives you drama. Yeah. But then here's the problem. Yeah. The thing that you wanted to see in the movie. Yeah. Isn't on screen. Mm-hmm. So. But then the, this film in particular doesn't do that either. They give you characters to elicit drama. Right. So back to your. I mean, I, back to what I was saying. The protagonist yeah. is Godzilla, mm-hmm. but it is an inherent problem with story. Yeah. In this regard, like none of us went to see the first Godzilla to see him swimming or watch, uh, you know, the military run around and try to figure out how another gun won't work or launch another super big missile that this time will work. Yeah, that's not I don't care about that. Yeah. Two things real quick. Like, yeah, when you when you have a character that can't emote or communicate with you, yeah, you can't have an emotional resonance to like relate to it. So, yeah, I kind of kind of see where you're coming from with that. But then just my personal opinion, just in general, like I've never really kind of dug like Godzilla's the hero savior, just in general. Monarch and Monarch is kind of like the shield of this universe. They're like monitoring the monitors and uh, Dr. Serizawa, played by Ken Watanabe, is like the Nick Fury trying to like wrangle it all together. But it's kind of an insane company or uh, branch just because 
these monsters are thousands of feet tall and whenever they show up in these cities they just level them so i don't know they're meant to restore balance some prehistoric balance of whatever bullshit but how is that a good thing for the planet you know what i mean i don't know how any of these things can be considered good did the yes i agree with you did the monarch villain plot remind you of thanos a little bit yes no vera farmiga had a total thanos line let's reset the natural order of things because we're using up resources quicker than we could they even use the word balance too and i'm just like oh it's thanos over here but then they're kind of doing the thing that you hate let's destroy the world so we can rebuild the world so the titans rule it there's there'd be rubble it'd be volcanic rubble of ash left so to try and hear that's why i really love the original godzilla film a lot is because he's a threat he shows up and he's an obvious metaphor for you know the hiroshima and nagasaki bombs and especially that japanese version it's their response to tragedy and atomic nightmare and they have to come up with a scientific solution to rid the that of that problem he can't be a solution that just lives on on earth and then in the subsequent sequels like shit comes from outer space and these other monsters come and oh godzilla's the only hope but he's destroying your city at the same time like it's like it's like a catch-22 it's sure right he'll, he'll save you but oh tokyo's gone like go go godzilla yeah exactly so they had this plot so this uh charles dance who's um his uh name is uh alan jonah He's kind of like this, like, anti, like, engine corporation from, like, Jurassic Park. They're doing the Jurassic Park plot now where they're trying to steal the cells and the DNA from all these titans, uh, is what they call them in this film. They called them um, Mewtwo's in the last one. But these titans, so they can sell them on the black market to make cash, make different... It's it's the plot of Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom as well. They're doing the same shit. But... Yeah, this is kind of... So they abduct them. They want the Orca device because they got the prize down in Antarctica. Monster Zero, which uh, King Ghidorah has been called that in... I, I think one of the films is actually called Monster, uh, Godzilla vs. Monster. Monster Zero. Yeah, yeah and it's it's King Ghidorah. I don't know if you noticed this, but you know we talked about the thing earlier. They're in Antarctica and they're mm-hmm. at Research Outpost 32. That was the name of their outpost in the thing. Oh, I didn't so, think that. That's cool. At least they know. At least they know what they're doing there. Not of a acknowledgement. Yeah, that's good. So then we're introduced. Kyle Chandler shows up, and they, they've recruited him now to kind of you know your, your wife and your wife and daughter have been kidnapped, and it's Doctor Zarazawa and um, uh, the other the other the other girl from from the prior film, Sally Hawkins, who is kind of is um, not going to be around for very long. Yeah, not going to be around for very long. And they're trying to make their case because they want to give, like, military control to, like, oversee the governing of these monsters. But they they want them to live in equal harmony. Again, everyone's just kind of insane in this film because, like, none of those are great. Here's my issue. Yeah. So they do a pretty good job of establishing Monarch as mm-hmm. this evil consortium yeah. in Vera Farmiga's eyes uh, designed to rebuild the world in a more natural state. And yeah. in Jonah's execution Mm -hmm. um a capital gain yeah okay so my question then was if we have this consortium don't you have to have a rival consortium to sort of match monarch and that was where i sort of struggled for like the first third of this movie is i don't understand the group that kyle chandler Mm -hmm. aligns himself with because it's just sort of this ragtag bunch of scientists Mm -hmm. But 
somehow they've kind of managed to create all of these stations and ships and battle operative places. Who's funding all with, of this? Right, with no name and yeah. no... That bothered me. Yeah. And it actually, I thought, okay, is this another branch of Monarch that's gone AWOL? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's a group of these resistance fighters, I don't know, yeah. re- rebels, mm-hmm. that all seem to be in communication. We're going to get it later because when we see um, Mothra, essentially, a little bit later on... Um, them all sort of working in unison to bring down Monarch, but without any official union under which they do it. Yeah, Monarch is this big, powerful, militaristic, well-funded organization. Yeah, well-funded. It's like you and me trying to, you know, throw five or four or five guys together and you know, go beat the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, we'll just call ourselves. We won't. We don't even have a team name. We're just yeah. guys. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That I struggled with that. Mm-hmm. So they all eventually kind of convene at Antarctica here because they're going to use the Orca device to awaken King Ghidorah. And they do so, and but not before we have like a battle of fisticuffs between both both the Charles Danceans and the Monarchians. Yeah. And they wake this thing up. And Godzilla's kind of swimming. He's swimming again. Mm-hmm. Not as much in the last movie. He does spend a lot of time off screen. <laughs> he does. But if we finally get our first battle, and there's carnage ensues, but this is the first instance. Like I don't know what it is with films today not wanting us to like focus on the action on the screen. They just cut away from everything so fast that you can't process it. And then it was just we saw it in the IMAX theater, so everything's like pumped up to eleven in that theater. Oh my god! Like I was like at a rock concert. It was so just berating and barraging my senses that i couldn't like focus or enjoy the monster action when we left the film last night myself and my wife had a conversation about this very thing yeah and it's actually i I said two things and i only mentioned one of them this is the second thing Mm -hmm. the fight sequences in this movie i found to be much better than other fight sequences because Mm -hmm. it's not so busy camera yeah i think busy like michael bay transformers just stuff everywhere yeah. is lazy. Mm-hmm. It's lazy editing yeah. with CGI. We can't quite tell if that's an arm or a gun or up, but there's some collision. So put on real tight. We yeah. can't really see what's moving. It's just collision. Yeah. This at least gave us enough perspective to where you could see mouth on neck or claw on leg or what have you in the middle of the fight. And I found that to be refreshing, especially after season this game of thrones season and i forget what episode it was but everything shot in the dark with that busy camera oh, nonsense yeah. at least i could see what was going on yeah a little bit like you know there was raining and snow well there's tons stuff. of rain yes and then like especially in the boston scene which we'll get into is just cars and ship flying running into building is it man of steel t- I, i'm okay with the destruction godzilla's about destruction but man it was like it was like too much. It was a little bit too much. Okay. And yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. That, that's always been a thing for you. Yeah. Like that, that's a real deal breaker. As you and I have I spent think, some years together, what I'm realizing from you is, yeah, mass collateral damage with minimal casualty. Yeah. Is something that you really don't like in film, huh? The way I don't like prequels, I think that's your thing, isn't it? I don't like just like berating nonsense. It can't just be loud for the sake of being loud and destruction for the sake of destruction because it looks cool on screen. 
it, it needs to have a purpose, but then like I think there's a threshold too. I think it, too much is too much. Saturation. Yeah, I think that, like that first Avengers movie is, is is okay in that department. Like it's kind of contained. Man of Steel is just like way out of control. I think this film by the end of it gets a little out of control. Like what was left of Boston at the end of mo- that movie? Well, we'll get into that. I'm sure because <laughs> I have a lot to say about Boston too. <laughs> address the kind of destruction element just one last time a film that i think handles it brilliantly and maybe it's just the kind of mix of cgi and practical effects was independence day i mean that's destruction on a global scale kind of like these films but it never seems like it's berating you over the head and there's interesting character elements at play throughout that entire film and you know kind of you know wanting to see the humans you strike back against the aliens like i never feel like i try and use the analogy like being hit over the head with like a hammer man of steel was just like smashing me on the face transformers just beats me into submission this film did a little bit of that especially in the end okay yeah so maybe that's if that makes it a little more clear sure but now we've unleashed king Ghidorah, which is godzilla's joker his arch nemesis monster zero and i was a little concerned i was like I always uh, King Ghidorah in the, in the the prior films like he was always, he he was an alien he came from space I'm glad they addressed that later because I was like he's just been he's a part of this whatever but they unleash and we finally get our fig our first big monstrous brawl and one of the things I really liked in this film was that the composer Bear McCreary uh, used some of the old themes from the prior Godzilla movies when he showed up mm-hmm. boom 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 and we finally get our first smackdown which was. Like you said, it was Godzilla it was, mostly yeah. getting smacked down. Yeah, smacked down. I was like, man, he's gonna have a hard time in this film against against King Ghidorah. So, yeah, we get our first big smackdown. The Ghidorah character I like, mm-hmm. obviously ripped from literature. Yeah, it's the Hydra. Yep. Uh, three heads, although less powerful than one of Godzilla's, is and two really terrible tails with these spikes on there. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, they didn't hardly use that at yeah. all in the film, did they? But I think flights his big biggest thing too can, okay so let's i was gonna get to you, you took the third one mm-hmm. right he's got three heads so there's three different attack angles yeah. that can all basically shoot the same stuff out of their mouths mm-hmm. that godzilla does yeah two tails that are spiked which are better than his just normal tail yeah and it has the advantage of flight which godzilla doesn't yeah in the creation of godzilla one of the things that whether it was by hook or crook toyo design mm-hmm left him unable to do was fly mm-hmm. if you think about his to me his two biggest villains mm-hmm. both introduced in this film yeah rodan and Ghidorah. I love rodan they both have the advantage of the air mm-hmm. every single battle strategy that's ever been created is seek the higher ground than your opponents because you have this little thing called gravity working along with you yeah and by the definition Godzilla's already undermanned, mm-hmm. isn't he? Mm-hmm. Ghidorah, if he wanted to, could just go up in the air yeah. and just rain hell down on him with shooting the lasers from all three of their heads. Mm-hmm. It's curtains. Yep. I like that because you get a character that is compromised and possibly defeatable. Yeah, he's a good adversary, and that was something yeah. definitely missing from the last film. Yeah. Um, but some uh, there's been a lot of great uh, villains throughout the years with Godzilla, and Godzilla's gone through f- some phases. The first one was called the Showa area 
era. And I mentioned this to you that they were produced before the the show Emperor Hirohito's death. So that's what they that's what they call it. It was like everything like pre like 80, 84 ish. And then we got the Heisai era, which was this reboot, a little more scarier of a Godzilla, but they rebooted Mecha Godzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and then we got Biolante and Space Godzilla and Desustroya. Uh like we got these cool creatures. And then they rebooted again the Millennium series, this uh post Roland Emmerich Godzilla. And they kind of blew it all up uh, again. It was some some pretty great films. And then the Americans have always tried to kind of redo their version, 1998 and then 2014. And yeah, maybe it's just they, they just don't kind of maybe understand the character fully. I mean, they tried to make him an iguana in that film. I have a soft spot for it, though. It's, it's shit, but it's <laughs> it speaks to me right here. And now we're in uh, Japan's also kind of doing their own resurgence. And they're calling it the, the Rewa era, era. And they had a, a, a film come out. Two years ago called Shin Godzilla and they've done some Netflix anime um, uh, movies too they've done three of them hmm. and I've seen one of them and I'm pretty good so it's just interesting how he can exist throughout all these different periods and now we're in now he has this new one here in the states the monster verse so okay so the fact that he's survived that many eras yeah and globally also mm-hmm. not just domestic yeah globally oh i forgot the hanna-barbera cartoon with godzuki well that's what i was going to bring up godzuki <laughs> and that whole that whole bit too right <laughs> the fact that it's survived that long speaks to that character is a well-designed character yeah it's a cool character mm-hmm. that's a great start and for everything that i said about movies that are titled after the main character yeah there's something that we like about Godzilla. Yeah. Where I begin to struggle with Godzilla is where they make him less primal and more battery. Yeah. And by that I mean just can absorb any energy and then send it back out in some other form. And there's a little bit of this in that and a little bit of that in this film as well. Yeah. To me, it didn't uh, change the entire movie the way it could negatively. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that. So let's go back to oh so. Ghidorah's release. I just think, just real quick, I think okay. Godzilla, one of the things that's helped him throughout the years is he's had a fantastic rogues like Batman and Spider-Man. Certainly. Absolutely. Dora Mothra, Angerus, uh, Mecha Godzilla, Gigan, Megalon, Biolante, uh... Titanosaurus, like we get obscure. Well, you mentioned the one that I really like, and we get a look at him in this, and that's Angerius yeah. or however you... Essentially, it's an Ankylosaurus rock monster. Yeah. Uh... Real quick, I have this game for the PlayStation 4. It's just called Godzilla. It's okay. But you can play as like literally any of these characters, and you could do two, two, uh, one versus one. That's you cool. pick your monster, and then you just destroy like everything. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are we doing at this point? Are we swimming? I guess he is. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he swam, I thought about you, and I'm like... Oh, boy. Yeah. They just showed it too much in the last one, like overhead shots, like underwater, and the military's like following him. Like here it's a little bit of the same, but like there's other things going on. And now I think we finally get Vera Farmiga's Thanos line, which is this conference call with her with her husband saying, I'm gonna unleash them all, which it's that's insane. Right. So Ghidorah gets out of the ice, they have this big battle in Antarctica. Yeah. Several planes go down. There's a certain amount of carnage of characters that we kind of care about. Cal Chandler survives. Kind of? <laughs> well, I mean, we, the girl, what's her name? Um, Sally Hawkins. Yeah, Sally Hawkins. Like, we at least have a relationship with her from the first film. Yeah. So she bites the dust here. And mother and daughter leave father, Cal Chandler, behind. Yeah. And daughter now is like, man, I was right about mom. She's gone off the rails. She's nuts. And at this point, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think Godzilla crashes through the ice and he disappears. A little bit. Yeah, he's yeah, just kind of, they're trying to, they're, they're following him, but then he just vanishes because he's using the subterranean earth tunnels to travel the world. And Ghidorah is unleashed upon the world. And then they're still trying to track down Orca, they being the not monarch organization, right? The Kyle Chandler not, because I don't think that's monarch. But they are monarch. See, it's confusing. And the movie's not clear on like the delineation. Isn't Jonah? He's anti-monarch. Okay. But so, he never, they don't have a name. Okay. So, okay. Then by that definition, fine. Um, then the monarch organization is trying to track down Orca, which is the communication mm-hmm. device and Kyle Chandler's family. Yes. Okay. So let's just go ahead and jump ahead to Mexico. They're going to Mexico. Vera Farmiga's warned them, I'm going to let loose all the monsters and we get out of a volcano. Which is a horrible plan. Like... <laughs> Well, it's going to speed up the regenesis of, of all things on Earth, I It's guess. going to speed up the regenesis, but, like, the casualties are going to be biblical, you know what I sure. mean? Sure. Oh, yeah. sure. Jesus. Right. She's hell-bent on humanity's destruction. So they uh, they unleash Rodan, Rodan now. I actually really like Rodan. He's always been one of my favorites. I like him, too, yeah. Yeah. This kind of, like, almost like a phoenix bird, like, demon bird. Yeah. And when he just, like, his wingspan and the G-Force, when he flies over, he just levels everything. Get caught up in the the undertow and, or yeah. overtow, maybe. Yeah. And he gets sucked away. Yeah. And he's really well done. Yeah. yeah. He looks cool. He's sort of prehistoric, pterodactyl-looking. Yeah, exactly. But almost like with a, um, a hawk-like element mm-hmm. to him at the same time. Yeah, hawk falcon, something like that. Yeah. So then they figure out, like, oh, if Godzilla's, like, the only, like, the best chance against these things, like, we need these things to, like, fight each other to kind of whittle down, like... Not a bad plan. Yeah, not a bad plan. So they fly head force into the Ghidorah hurricane so that Rodan and Ghidorah can... Square off. Square off. This is actually my favorite part of the movie. I actually kind of, like, dug this sequence. When they flew in and you just saw the silhouette of Ghidorah's three heads with the light. That was pretty cool. That was cool. And then, like, then they start fighting midair. They're trying to rescue some fellow uh, military guys with their Ospreys. Well, also trying to get Mexico evacuated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, they've been, it's just been leveled by by this, by this wingspan. And then, um, then Godzilla shows up. But then the military, then they get involved because they're like trying to shut down Monarch and give them orders. And they've created something called the Oxygen Destroyer, which is actually something from 1954's Godzilla. So Ken Watanabe's character, Dr. Serizawa, is actually an homage to 1950. There was a Dr. Serizawa. He had the eye patch and he was inventing this thing that if you put it in the water, it would just suck all the life out of the oceanic life and just leave skeletons. And that's actually how they kill Godzilla in that first film. So it shows, and it's identical in this one. It looks the same. And it's in the form of a bomb. So they they, they pull that on there. It seemingly kills Godzilla, but Ghidorah escapes scot-free. So they're like, well, what the hell? And you killed all those fish and whales probably. They actually show that. Yeah. So them floating up to the surface. Yeah. Probably thousands, millions, like in that little area. One of the things that's a really nice moment in this movie is the homage that it pays to previous films. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Mothra, then you know about the twins. Yes. And we definitely get them in this too. Mm-hmm. And they even tease it out. So one of the women that is a main character in the film is working side by side with Sarazawa mm-hmm. at Monarch. Yeah. And we come to find out that she has. A twin after we've already seen the twin mm-hmm. and the birth of Mothra underneath a waterfall. Yeah. Now, what's cool about that is if you know the legacy, mm-hmm. Mothra is man's closest link to the Titans. Yeah. Through those twins, we can communicate or they can communicate with Mothra. Yeah. Whether it's just 
Mothra. And they're or whatever them singing. And they're tiny. They're right? miniatures. They're miniatures. But these two, they've had like a whole lineation of like twins. Twins. Yeah. Which seems to speak of, or seems to speak to, there have been many Mothras maybe? Yeah. Okay, so I like that. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about the Sarazawa tie mm-hmm. and the oxygen destroyer, destroyer, yeah. and all of those things. And the whole time through this film, we're getting little hints at Kong too, little mentions of Skull Island Plenty. and Kong on the wall. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm looking forward to how that turns out. Yeah. So that was a really interesting moment to me because I think sort of on on Instagram, I even said I'll be curious to see what the relationship between Godzilla and Mothra is. Yeah. And the fact that they were brave enough to traverse the twins, and that can be pretty hokey, let's be honest about it. The miniature twins who sing to Mothra, and that's how they communicate. I think they keep them in a box sometimes, too. They it's do. It's really weird. <laughs> but Mothra is man's best ally. Do mm-hmm. you agree with that? No, definitely. Okay, He's so, the nicest of all of them. Right. And also the weakest by the same token. Yeah. Because it's a moth. Yep. All right, so I thought that was really well done. Yeah. So while all of this is going on, and Rodan and Ghidorah are having their battle, and Godzilla is in the water arriving mm-hmm. shortly, mm-hmm. we do get the birth of Cocoon Mothra mm-hmm. to Moth Mothra. Yeah. I thought that was really well done and beautifully shot mm-hmm. behind the waterfall yeah. with its wings flapping that sort of glow kind of yeah. leading to the idea like this is life or genesis or rebirth, which mm-hmm. is a huge thing in the film. Yeah. And we're going to play out in that same character in a little while later. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the decision to launch the oxygen? What the hell is that thing? The called? oxygen destroyer. At this point, at the midpoint of the film, what did you think of that? Again, you're now you're throwing another vil- you're, you villainize the military now because now you're killing it because there's literally a line in the film like yeah. you killed our best we so we killed our best chance at survival. Right. So we get our we get the culmin- the first culmination the midpoint of the film which is Ghidorah, yeah. Rodan, and Godzilla all at the same place, mm-hmm. and the military says get these people out of here. Mm-hmm. We're going to launch this massive weapon. Yeah. And they launch it, like you said. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is shot, <laughs> dead, mm-hmm. and Ghidorah flies out of the water and off into the atmosphere yeah. to continue raining hell upon everybody. Mm-hmm. They're just making a, such a huge mess of this whole thing now. Like, like all, all these cities have been destroyed. They've unleashed at this point now, too. I think they're all awaking. Uh, Ghidorah's like waking them all up all over the world. Right. These, these new creatures that. Yeah. Kind of created for this film. There's a there's a mammoth one, the behemoth. Yeah, is what they and call that one. There's like a spidery one, and then the one from the prior film, the Mutus. They're back. And Jirius, mm-hmm. which is the Ankylosaurus rock one. Yeah, so we get like a, a crab looking thing too. Yeah, crab one. So we're getting some interesting. Kind of look like the Cloverfield monster. Yeah. That movie's bullshit. Uh. Um, so we're kind of getting. He's waking them all up all over the world. Like the orca's not even like working anymore. Uh, Ghidorah's doing it on his own, right. and that's when we kind of learn that. The legend of Ghidorah and it's come from space. This kind of he's not a part of the the pattern. He's like an outlier that's right. going to disrupt the whole thing. But it's such a mess at this point. So now you you killed your thing. You've destroyed the ocean life. That city's destroyed. All the monsters are loose. Like Jesus, can I get in a space capsule and like go live on Mars? Like you've ruined Earth now. And yeah, to sort of prolong what sounds like agony for you at this point, mm-hmm. we. We have to bring Godzilla back. Yeah. And at this point, we recognize that Godzilla is no longer alive. And Bradley Whitford yeah. going through, come on, big guy, make it. And we see through the vitals that they're keeping on Godzilla, he redlines. Yeah. 
and just disappears. Yeah. Look, the title of the movie isn't Godzilla, and then he dies, so we know he's got to come back. Plus, we haven't seen all the fight sequences they showed in the trailer, so yeah. we know it's coming. I hate fake death. <laughs> okay, so here we get into what I thought was um, an interesting turn in the film. The journey to Atlantis? To Atlantis. Yeah. And I don't come... think it is Atlantis. It just... No, for sure it is. It just it... looked like... Oh, no, what... Jesse, for sure it is. Yeah. It has to be. Godzilla Atlantis. They said, the... what is this place? It's this, it's this. Oh, it's much older than that. No, that's for sure okay. Atlantis. Yeah. So we come to find out through the drawings on the walls of Atlantis mm-hmm. that Godzilla has been their protector for some time. And we also see that the battle between Godzilla and Ghidorah cave painting but on walls of sunken atlantis yeah goes back eons mm-hmm. here's the part that got to be pretty crazy for me okay you were pretty hard in aquaman okay about the lost world that people encountered or that we encountered at the bottom of the earth's ocean yeah what was troubling for me in this is in the middle of sunken atlantis we find an air pocket of oxygen <laughs> where dr sarazawa finds godzilla resting at some unnamed energy source yeah feeding off of it to recharge himself and it's some like the 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 radiation from the earth's core like is that what they're hinting at Uh, see that's again i'm gonna say this yeah i don't want to have the argument that you have to suspend the disbelief in this. And that was too far. Because in this movie, if you're going to be like, oh, that just took too far, this was not for you. <laughs> exactly. There's certain movies where that's an, a legitimate critique or criticism. Yeah. It is not in Godzilla. There's nothing that is even remotely non-fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say, well, an energy source in Atlantis is... That would just never... of course, And neither would a giant yeah. three-headed monster from space showing up, fighting... Exactly. Not, so let's... Yeah. So don't give me that, right? Yeah, that's, that's fine. But I just thought the Atlantis angle took it into an environment that made it so vast. Mm-hmm. It expanded it to another world that has no boundaries. Yep. And so Sarazawa shows up, and I guess Godzilla is healing himself by feeding on this energy source from the Earth's core. Yeah. But that's not fast enough because Ghidorah and these other bad guys are ready to and tear it'll the Earth take apart. take years for him to regenerate or something. So why else it's just use a nuclear warhead? Mm-hmm. But they can't just shoot it. they got to go manually put it and set the detonator. So Literally walks off of his little boat yeah. into an air pocket, mm-hmm. pulls it out of a suitcase... And detonates it after he pets Godzilla for a minute. Yeah. That was weird to me. And this is what cracks me up too is they do that and they give him more power but then like it like backfires because then they gave him too much power because now he's like his core is melting down now. He's like a nuclear, a walking nuclear reactor. Mm-hmm. He's like a walking Chernobyl at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and, he's super powered. But he's super powered. But I'm like, you, you just made it. You made the situation even worse because okay, I'm thinking about the people of Boston, and I'm just like, okay, like now you got a walking nuclear reactor there, and it's just just gonna explode at some point. Yeah. They made the situation worse than it needed to be by trying to help. So the military shows up to the Ghidorah cloud that's over. I don't know, the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. in the Boston area. Yeah. And the fight continues. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing Rodan just lay waste to... to it's just it's a disaster. Washington, and the military is just getting their their ass handed to them. Yeah. So Godzilla shows up and we can tell that he's supercharged because he's got the blue effects on the scales on his back. Mm-hmm. Not to mention when he... When we get his reemergence, he shoots that laser to space from his mouth that's about the most powerful and we've seen him shoot the whole film. Real quick though, before 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 he comes back, 
Madison steals the Orca device, sneaks out of this bunker place, goes to Fenway Park to bring Ghidorah to, to, to Fenway Park, right? See, this doesn't make any sense to me. You yeah. just hit, I purposely left this out because oh. it's such bad part of the movie for me. Okay, so I talked about Atlantis mm-hmm. and how big that made the movie. Yeah. My biggest criticism on this film mm-hmm. is that it pays no acknowledgement to geographical boundaries or location. Yeah. And one minute we're in Boston, and then we were in Mexico, and then we were in China. And it's just, we just move so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the red line of travel in movies from the airplane that goes from point A to point B to just hurry up and get us Indiana there. Indiana Jones. But the problem is in this film, it's not done to speed it. It's just. The globe is your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it's just go around the corner to the Smith's house and you'll be in Mexico. Meanwhile, go say hello to the McGillicuddy's and now you're in San Francisco. Like the expanse of travel was pretty preposterous. And I don't know why they chose to settle in Boston. And at this point, you just said it, my complaint. Yeah. Does the orca even matter anymore? Yeah. Does it matter? I don't know why this scene happened. I don't either. I don't know why you'd want... The Ghidorah to come to Boston, your hometown. I mean, we, we've we had, like, here's what else I didn't get. Mothra is somewhere, I think, in the Atlantic Ocean, waving its wings, trying to call Godzilla yeah. from the depths of Atlantis. <laughs> and they can't wait for that. And I don't even know if it's having any sort of an effect. Yeah. So that's where Sarah's Zaha said, let's just go down there and we'll blow him up and recharge him ourselves. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. It's just... It's like we're just passing time on screen yeah. with fodder. Yeah. And Millie Bobby Brown, and I'm just going to say this, yeah. I don't particularly care for that actress. Yeah. I am. I tepidly like Stranger Things. Yeah. I she's don't only, love... She's, she's only been in two things. I don't... Well, does, why is she even in the film? I don't know. It's That's just, what I'm saying. Why is she even in this it's movie? It's for the kids. It's the kid element of the film. It's like having the kids in Jurassic Park. I like, guess so, but you like gotta monsters have... fighting each other isn't enough for kids? Yeah, you gotta have that relatable element. I guess. So, back to the Stranger Things. I, I only tepidly like it. I don't love that like everyone else. Stranger Things Season 3 this July. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it, yeah. but I'm not gonna I like it. coo over it. <laughs> yeah. oh, you love it, yeah. I know. Um, okay, yeah, so Mothra's trying to recharge Godzilla. Sarazawa sped up the process. Millie Bobby Brown... Uh, Madison has stolen the orca and has chosen to hide it at Fenway Park. Yeah. And then basically do what Ghidorah did earlier in the film, which is set it off Mm -hmm. on the Fenway Park speakers. Yeah. So that all of the monsters will show up and lay waste to Boston? Yeah. Why wouldn't you go? To the green monster? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah. No, but why wouldn't you go to some deserted island? Yeah, I don't know why she brought it brought it here, and I don't know because the mother was going to do it eventually, so she just kind of sped up the process. But I'm just very confused at this point. And the I'm, mother was going to do what eventually? Call bring bring Ghidorah here. Like I, you see, everyone's actions at this point right. are so questionable. Right. The nuke, the orca, Charles Dance, Vera Farmiga, Kyle. Like every, I'm just so like everyone's just like they're so drunk at this point. Right. Yeah. Just and again, drunk on excess. Drunk on excess, and we're just trying to get to what what we wanted was the final battle, which then is just too much for me, at least. Okay, well, let's just get there then. So all the monsters show up: Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidorah. We and get they it. All show up. We get the melee. We're finally into it. But I really have been waiting a long time to see them duke it out. Mm-hmm. 
And they cut from that fight sequences a few times to get back to the broken family between Madison Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga. And I just don't care about them. No one does. Yeah. Well, maybe I shouldn't say no one. I didn't either. Okay. And we're like watching her run away with the orca and then try to destroy it so that then we can save it for the 15th time to jerry-rig it for the 17th time to communicate with the monsters. Mm -hmm. For what? At, At what? Why? There's no communicating at this point. They have to be killed at this point. Everything's going to hell. Just let them have it out. Yeah. Goodbye, Boston. So Madison hides in her parents' house. Yeah. Which, well, okay. <laughs> really? Whatever. <laughs> and the, Yeah. And finds safety in a bathtub. Yeah. After her house is just wrecked by one of the monsters. Yeah. Meanwhile, we get a pretty cool battle. This yeah. actually is working. Mm-hmm. Mothra versus Rodan. Yeah. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then the Ghidorah and Godzilla yeah. penultimate showdown. Mm-hmm. And that's also working when we're allowed to see it. Yeah. But they cut from it so much that it's not continuous. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll let you finish it up. They keep trying to make this fa- this family thing work, and I'm just, we're, no one's buying into it. At least I wasn't, and you weren't probably either. I just didn't. It's not what I went there for. Yeah. And I don't care if they get back together or anything. So Vera Farmiga is going to make... She grabs the orca again. Then she's going to make the sacrifice. Again, I don't know what she's doing. Well, she's realized that Jonah, the guy that was the person... But he's not even there. But that he was wrong. Okay. And she's sort of trying to make amends for unleashing these 18 titans upon the globe. How is she going to make amends? Right. I mean, she's come to that crisis of conscience and feels bad for it. And... It would have been easier in the movie just to leave her as a, a, a bad, bad guy. Yeah, she's but a centimeter in an entire foot. Exactly. What's she going to do? Reason with them? Uh, you let me reason, reason with the kaiju monsters. And I'm like, you guys might want to like have a timeout or anything. It's obscene. So while all that nonsense is going on in the ground, uh, Mothra pulls a fast one on Rodan. Spears through the chest. Spears Rodan through the chest. Yeah, I thought so Rodan was dead, but not. Should have been. Yeah. Rodan's going to come back. That's good, though. I like Rodan. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And Mothra will be back, too. Mm-hmm. So she just, she, just, she just needs to cocoon again. <laughs> there's another Mothra egg they find later, right? <laughs> yes. So can I tell you something funny? Go ahead. We took Ava to the movie last yeah, night. Yeah. And when Mothra died, she started to cry. Mm. She was crying over Mothra. It breaks my heart. <laughs> They always come back, though. Of course they do. Tony Stark's coming back, too. I had to explain that to her. The two twins, Ava, mean that Mothra's coming back. Yeah. How do you know that? I said, it's, Don't worry. They'll, they'll, it's Godzilla gospel. They'll, they'll, they'll sing to her later. Exactly. Okay, so, and then you get what should be the end of Godzilla. Ghidorah yeah. flies Godzilla about 17 miles up in the air and just drops him. Yeah. And Godzilla's laying on, on the ground. Gillette Stadium, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's not it. Godzilla is ever the one to come back from near-death experiences. But he's melting down. And this is something that yeah. happened in Godzilla versus Desustroya. He's melting down the whole time in that film to the point where he just, he dies. Well, okay, let me, let's explain this. Yeah. When Sarazawa yeah. used the nuclear reactor yeah. to hoop, like hypercharge Godzilla, yeah. he took on such radiation that at his core he was going to go thermonuclear in 15 minutes, according to Bradley Whitford. Yes. And this battle is ticking down. So we have a ticking bomb, literally, element. So as Godzilla is you know, stalking after Ghidorah, everything around him is melting under the amount of radiation yeah, that he's right. leaking. I actually liked that. It, it's, it, they did, and that... that I'll have to let you borrow that one because it's pretty good. Um, he looks the same. He's all like red. He's got like red like leaking out of his skin because it's cool. like it's like he's like a walking nuclear core. Right. Yeah. That's why I said 
Battery. Yeah. Sometimes Godzilla is a bit too battery for me. But in this film, he's able to like control that and then unleash it on Ghidorah, and that's he just melts Ghidorah away with radiation. Well, almost. And then what's left of him though? What does he do with what's the left? The like left? a head. Yeah. He eats him, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. So Ghidorah's DNA is now absorbed into Godzilla. So that's kind of interesting. That's interesting, but I don't know how Godzilla survived. His nuclear meltdown. That should have probably been the... I don't know. Like the, the, There's no rules that say that has to happen. I just... It's just curious for they, me. Again, it's drunk on excess. Yeah. They didn't need to have him melting down. If the thermonuclear warhead hypercharged him with radiation and nuclear activity, just let that be one of the powers that he has going forward. And without this nonsense of, we've got to hurry up and get the fight over... Before Godzilla blows up Boston, let him have the same power to emit the nuclear uh, radiation as a weapon. Just weaponize it. It doesn't have to be this other excess of, look at this other thing's going on too. And we're falling off the cliff and the cliff is burning and you don't have shoes and like, fuck all that. Just like simplify it a little bit. Yeah, it's too much. Okay, so Ghidorah's dead. But then Vera Farmiga dies too. Well, they, Mothra's dead now too. Everybody's dead. Uh, they flip her her Jeep, her Humvee. and You she, think she's dead? She's not dead yet, dude. There's no way. This movie's going to make a fortune. She's not dead Okay, yet. she's not dead. Do you, think, do you really think she's dead? I don't know. Nah. Here's, and, one, here's one thing I'd ask you. You okay. have more history with this. Okay. Can we talk about Mothra yeah. for a minute? Yeah. Uh, after Ghidorah drops Godzilla to the earth, okay. he's basically laying mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. incoherent. Yeah. And Ghidorah comes down and all three of the Hydra heads mm-hmm. are charged and he's ready to blast him. And Mothra shows up yeah. and spreads her wings yeah. and sort of shields Godzilla from the blast that yeah. Ghidorah's about. Okay, yeah. which then eviscerates Mothra. Mm-hmm. And then Mothra's spores. moth dust spores. <laughs> moth. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> Nuclear yes. green moth dust yeah, of growth. They heal Godzilla. Okay, so that is that something yeah. that's gospel or legacy yeah. in the moth? Mm-hmm. Okay, explain that mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, it's just it's just like the healing regen. I don't know. That's how- in other. That's in the previous movies too. Yeah, like this healing regenerative properties of the Mothra. Like okay, they they've done it before in one of the one of the other. They, they all kind of blur together at some point, so you got to like kind of know which which one. Okay, so here's my question then, Jesse. Yeah. What doesn't mm-hmm. recharge Godzilla? A nuclear warhead and moth spores. Moth dust, yeah. What doesn't? Like, <clears throat> I don't, again, I don't know. If you do that, now you're creating the Michael Myers of protagonists. You see, you got to be careful. Monsters. Like, everything should have rules. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, like werewolves as much as you rat uh, bashed on them no i love that part of werewolves there's a set of rules silver bullet uh uh, full moon pentagram uh, yeah right wolfbane yes same with vampires like i think every iteration of uh, mythology needs to have a set of rules otherwise you just like you just go ape shit with it so we get the final shot you know um Kyle Chandler, Millie Bobby Brown, and the survivors of the military, Bradley Whitford, and all, all of them, they all kind of escape via Osprey, uh, kind of seeing, you know, the wreckage of Boston at this point, and all the monsters that were, titans that were introduced earlier kind of come to Godzilla, because he's now king of the monsters, and they all bow before him. And I think a really cool shot, the cool shot of the whole movie was just him just, like, roaring, like, on top of this, like, mound of destruction, 
kind of setting up like what's to come next. You know what I liked about that that sequence a lot too is yeah. when you compare that to Ghidorah doing the same thing with the cross in the background. Yeah. You get Godzilla doing it without the cross, but with his arms feigned mm-hmm. in a crucifix position. Yeah. I thought that was a really kind of interesting allegory, religious like religious allegory that they tried to weave into the film. I'll tell you what I really liked about it. Go. There's no way the New England Patriots are winning the Super Bowl Damn right. after that. Godzilla will stop Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly. Amen. It won't be your Broncos or my Chargers, but it'll be Amen. Godzilla. Amen to that. Amen to that. I've got some sour mash for you. Okay. The reason I brought up that stuff with Mothra is I'm going to the Godzilla expert here, which is you. Yeah. And I sort of picked up on the regenerative possibilities of Mm -hmm. Mothra. The movie opens with Mothra. Yep. Larva Mothra. Mm -hmm. Isn't a better idea to take that orca that Vera Farmiga has used Mm -hmm. to communicate with Mothra in a way where they can take the spores from Mothra and use that dust or those spores yeah. to regrow the earth in areas that don't show growth. Yeah. And in so doing, the use of that orca awakens these other titans unbeknownst to mm-hmm. Monarch. Right. Yeah. And then you have... That's good. I, li- I always like stuff like that. That's like science gone wrong. It's doing something for the good and then you like kind of make something bad out of it and it's simpler yeah than vera farmiga and her questionable decisions to regrow the earth in the same way and i'm going to do it by destroying the earth then you don't get then you avoid that whole thing and that entire idea stemmed from losing your kid in in san francisco and because of that you got to just destroy the world (laughs) like is she a bond villain what is this an even better beginning yeah could be the end of 2014 yeah uh, Godzilla, mm-hmm. and we see their son wrapped in a body bag or something like that, and then cut to Cocoon State Mothra. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So here's the family looking at the son as he's encapsulated in some cocoon like yeah. body transportation, deceased ba- body bag. Cut thingy. to Mothra discovering that you can use these spores to regenerate life. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, Warner Brothers. Come on. Man, and I know what we're talking about. I just thought that that was really a crux of the film or a, a crucial moment in the movie that they missed mm-hmm. because they were so drunk on the excess. Look, yeah. Godzilla is going to be drunk on excess. Yeah. I want crush buildings yeah. and shoot lasers out of my mouth and you know, yeah. uh, sting on my back that radiate. <laughs> I, want, I want all that. Yeah. And I want three-headed flying monsters. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes to see you know a boxing match at Godzilla. Mm-hmm. We want crazy. Yeah. But... Man, they sure missed the boat on that. And it would have simplified this so much easier. Mm-hmm. Because then she feels remorseful yeah. for that. And then that just sort of traveling the globe, trying to figure out where everybody is and rescue my family is not that. It's like, how do we use the orca mm-hmm. to communicate? Yeah. I like that. That's, Simpler. Yeah, that's good. You know, I wouldn't have changed. The only thing I would change about this film is the excess. To find mm-hmm. that balance where it's palatable. And then show the consequences of utter destruction. According to this film, I don't think anyone else lives in Boston, Massachusetts. Because I didn't see anyone like fleeing in the streets or like freaking out. What do you mean they evacuated it in 10 minutes? Oh, Jesus. I know. Yeah. Like, so there's no... And again, okay, they evacuated the entire city. There's no consequence for the destruction. It's just... Just wreck the buildings for destruction's sake. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's that, that's kind of it. So let, let me give my rating first because I'll let you. This is kind of a your deal. So let me give mine and then sure. Let's remind the listeners about our rating system, all kind of built around a, a liquor and whiskey. You know, our, our one star is a rocka, two is well, like well drink. You know, you usually get those for like three or four dollars on a happy hour. Drink till you drown in water. Yes, uh, you got your call. It's like a three star single barrel, a unique film, a four star entry, not quite top shelf. And then top shelf at the top, the best of the best. So, Matt, where are you at? It's call for me, and it's call call for me. Not okay. call plus or call minus, call minus, just call call. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to be honest, for all the things and the faults that we've brought up, which is the point of this, Yeah, I was wildly entertained. Yeah, I didn't mind that the buildings came down. I recognized that there was no one in Boston and that they were destroying Fenway and there wasn't anybody in the entire city. Yeah, And when I was allowed to watch the monsters go at it, mm-hmm. I really liked it. Obviously, the king Godzilla is having cool monsters yeah. and cool rogues. Yeah. It did. The movie did. Mm-hmm. Mothra was cool. Mm-hmm. Rodan's always cool. Yeah. Ghidorah's cool. Uh, the teases with Kong and and Jarius and that crab thing. Yeah. It's got a name. And then Behemoth and the Muto showing up at the end. Yeah. All that stuff is really, really compelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm super interested. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to run out of that theater in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I was, I was very content. It mm-hmm. was a popcorn enjoy some big expansive mm-hmm. hollywood wrote, mastery using technology in 2019 it wrote the wrongs of the last film for you were oh that last film for me i wanted to run out of that movie screen. <laughs> I, that was that might be mm-hmm. in the top five worst summer movies i've ever seen i was so hyped to see that i don't i don't have the history with yeah. godzilla that you do but i love him as much as you do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a solid calm. I, we will probably buy that movie. Yeah. If it's on, mm-hmm. I probably will watch it. Mm-hmm. I probably won't go out of my way to rewatch it, but I might. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was mostly okay Good. with this film. Righted the, righted the ship. Of call this call for me. Potential potential thing. What do you got? I'm kind of in the same area too. Maybe kind of teetering a little bit towards well, but not quite. Maybe a call minus for myself. Whereas I, I think I told you. I think I told you earlier where I. I I kind of like the restraint of the prior film just a little bit more. And you know there's some tedious waiting for the action that we kind of get at the end of that film. But it had a little bit more restraint in the monotonous of what is modern blockbuster action. Whereas this film took it to the nth degree. And I just kind of want that middle ground. That's I just I, that that's what I want, and I honestly like in that film Kong Skull Island. I think we got that. Yeah, it's like the perfect balance. That was I think, a great movie. I think that's why that 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 one's really good, with with some you know the the human element mixed with the monsters. Like I don't know how they're why Kong's gonna fight Godzilla or what the beef is there. But then again, Monarch. Like I just don't understand like why you keep wanting to keep these things alive. Like I don't know what the end game is with these things. They're just gonna live. Are you gonna have like a monster zoo? That's um, not clear to me, and that like in on honestly in all Godzilla, like that's a lot of times they they go dormant and then they show back up again, and they 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 had to like create new military creations, like it, they create this thing called the X One. It's like this like flying like ship with like that's designed to combat Godzilla specifically. I'm glad to hear you say that because I thought that was an interesting level or place they could go next. Is mm-hmm. the military's got to step it up. Mm-hmm. It can't just be let's launch our F-16s because Rodan just spins his wings and it's curtains. Yeah. And like they fired so many missiles and stuff at those monsters and it literally is like getting hit on the shoulder with like a pine cone. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing. Yeah. 
throwing rocks, rocks against the Great Wall of China, a sparrow yeah. fart in a tornado. Like, it does nothing. So the military's <laughs> got to up their game. Yeah. So that's a possibility. Yeah. But again, i got to be careful about this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go watch military. I'm no. going to watch Godzilla. Exactly. Okay, so... Two two more quick things. Mm-hmm. Are you are you good with your real quick? I I, I really dug the like this is I I wanted to see some of the classic monsters in the prior film. I yeah. knew they weren't going to be there, but they came together for this one. They they picked the the best three too to do that with. So you know I want to see more of that going forward. Um, make the human element like because like they, they really tried to shoehorn that family dynamic in, and I just I didn't buy it for like the entire film. They were just there just to kind of propel the plot and just kind of fuck up the plot at the same time mm-hmm. so you know fix that make it compelling give us the monster action don't go too far that's what i want in kong versus godzilla boy that's gonna be hard for them to hit that for you well, that's a lot what you just said they've they got a new director and the director actually is a guy who's actually made a few of my favorite movies some indie horror films uh you're next and the guest oh yeah uh this is like his first like big film so they're they, they're shooting it right now. It's like in the can already. So mm-hmm. um, we're getting that in March 2020. So yeah, less than a year. So uh, yeah, I, I'm hopeful. Uh, the end credit sequences are worth talking about. Oh, I forgot about that. So we get... Uh, and this is just sort of teasing to what's coming. That's why it fits in here. We get No Blue Oyster Cult. We get some new cover version of the Godzilla song, which was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. I like that they sort of spoke about what was happening through the headlines on the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And we come to discover that the animals are headed to, to Skull Island. There's some large sea serpent that's shown up, which we've seen in, in King Kong. We've yeah. seen that happen. Yep. Uh, we've got another mothra egg that's been discovered mm-hmm. and some other just sort of ancillary monster kind of information. And then we cut to Jonah leading the anti-monarch group mm-hmm. with a bunch of Pirates? I don't even know who these guys are yeah, that these... have discovered the head of Ghidorah. Yeah. One of the heads. There's some part where Ghidorah's heads are ripped off and he regenerates yeah. them. And they find one. Yeah. So this is exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Now he's got a chance to hijack that DNA. Here's what I'm hoping they do with this because like in the late in some Godzilla films, like they eventually bring aliens into it and it actually gets kind of stupid. But uh they eventually at one point create a mecha King Ghidorah. Yeah. Where it's like a mechanized like portion of the body with like the organic tissue. I hope they bring that in into this film. That'd be awesome. Bring Mechagodzilla into this thing, too. That's the military's answer to combat Godzilla. Yeah. It has to be. That's cool. So let's let's see what we get ne- next. I'm, I'm excited for Kong versus Godzilla. Are you? Let me ask you one question. Yeah. In what scenario okay. can Kong defeat Godzilla? Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, they need to better explain the height to, to something ratio because Godzilla's massive. And I don't think the Kong in Kong Skull Island was as tall. So they got to figure that out somehow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just be a plot hole that exists in my brain. He's got brute strength, but doesn't Godzilla No, also? Godzilla atomic breaths him. He just incinerates him. Yeah. I don't know. They got some work to do on that one. Do. I do know that Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown are coming back for that film. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so excellent. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's some fun summer action. Um, you know, kind of depending on where you are on the Godzilla film spectrum. But uh, let's wrap this one up with the nightcap. So the, this nightcap is kind of interesting being that, you know, this Godzilla exists within the monster verse is what they're calling it. So this co- new cinematic universe that brings Godzilla and Kong's mythologies into the thing. I'm telling you, bring Pacific Rim into this thing too. Like 
if you're gonna go all out, you may. They own the rights. Is that a Warner Brothers? It's property? a it's a legendary property. It is legendary, who's the yeah. producer of all these things? So right. they could. Yeah. May as well at this point. So Matt, what's a uh, Marvel's done this? DC's failing. They're kind of okay riding the ship a little bit, but maybe what? They, they've they failed though. Uh, the Universal Dark Universe tried to do this. Okay, you just brought it up. Okay. okay. So what's the next one that's that's the best? Or right? no, what I said, what's the cinematic universe you would actually like to see? Okay, I, I want... This isn't my answer, mm-hmm. but you just said it. I want them to find a way to make that dark universe happen. And that's the original cinematic. They did that in the with House right. of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. They've done it. Abbott and Costello. What that, what that movie was mm-hmm. and why it got panned is one of the more frustrating things in all of film for me. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad movie. I don't agree that a female mummy is the best way to go. Yeah. But you can't tell me that there wasn't enough action in that movie to keep you entertained. I like the Jekyll element. I think the part I don't like in that film is that like Tom Cruise is like the walking dead in that, that movie. He's a dead man. But they have to have a protagonist that's able to take on these monsters. And we cannot do another version Van of Helsing. Van Helsing. Okay? So... The Jekyll and Hyde element was really cool. Mm-hmm. As the leader of this consortium that's trying to find the artifacts or the DNA of these other monsters, like yeah. that movie. Look, I'm not say, I'm not telling our listeners that that's a good movie, mm-hmm. but for the same arguments that everyone made that that Keanu Reeves movie Forty Seven Ronin was so terrible, mm-hmm. fuck all of you. <laughs> you saw the trailers. Yeah. Everybody that said, "Oh, that's not the story of Forty Seven Ronin." Yeah, no shit. Yeah. In real life, which is a 47 Ronin story, yeah. there's no such thing as dragons and witches. Let me just but say... But wait, hold on. Yeah, let me finish. Go ahead, go ahead. So that movie was panned. Yeah. And again, it's not on my shelf of all things great, but are you trying to tell me yeah. that there wasn't, and through a huge, huge bankrolled budget yeah. to be able to do this, that there's not enough of a launching point in to get into... Because they already had the other three films planned. It was Bride. It was The Invisible Man with Claude Rains because he's not in it. <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein. And, and Bride. Yeah. And they had already talked about... They had possibly already explored the Dracula element. That in a world yeah. could be so cool. Here's the thing, though. And this still isn't even my answer to the, the yeah, question. Exactly. But here's the thing. like I think they got off on the wrong foot just to begin with. Like I don't know why The Mummy was the launching point into this universe. It maybe should have been like a Dracula or a Frankenstein. Don't you think it's because it's the first movie that they did? The mummy launched no, the Dracula, Universal Dracula Monster Dracula series first. When's the mummy? Thirty-two and Dracula was 31. thirty-one. But those are more high-profile names: Dracula and Frankenstein. They're legendary. Like, I, to me, the mummy was an interesting entry point into this dark universe. I don't know if we're gonna see any more. Like I that think- was so greenlit. They had a trailer online they put, for the Dark Universe website. They put the cart before the horse. They did get, you ever look at that website? Yeah, I did. Yeah, they had it. Like it was crazy. Like that one, was gonna be a thing. You got to make one good film first. Talk to Iron Man. They 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 they, they did it first. So so that's that's the one that I really sure. think yeah. has some legs going forward. Yeah. But the one that I want, mm-hmm. and again, it doesn't have a consortium yeah. or a through line. And so all episodic series, yes. whether it's the X-Files mm-hmm. or Harry Potter has individual quests yeah. or the Marvel universe yeah. that are really interesting stories in pursuit of a larger goal, whether it's the infinity stones and Thanos mm-hmm. or whether it's the seven elements to take down Voldemort. Okay. So this doesn't have that, but you could do it. It's global. Okay. It's based on culture. Okay. It's got a bunch of really awesome characters, and it's fucking Johnny Quest. Ooh, yeah. I want a Johnny Quest. I mean, 
what other than Scooby-Doo, what what franchise has as many awesome monsters? Now, the difference between Scooby-Doo and Johnny Quest is the maturity level, for sure. Yeah. Old Man Withers in a mask again versus like, no, that's actually really a thing. Old Man Withers. <laughs> Meddling kids. I got to tell you something real quick. I've always, like personally, like I've always wanted to see it or make myself a Johnny Quest film. He's I, awesome, dude. I want Hugh Jackman as race band. Oh, yeah. no, no, to that. Hugh, if you're listening, find a way to make that That's happen. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's cool. I have a, I have a, another soft spot for all those Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Can can he, Daniel Craig be Dr. Quest? Sure. Oh, man, Jesse. And then get on. two unknowns for Haji and Johnny. And get no, a ba- get Johnny and have it be Zac Efron. Yeah. Too, too, too old. You need a young kid. You need one of those it kids. <laughs> All right. You need an it kid. But no, I'm with you. That, that that could be pretty cool. Yeah. Global. Right. Okay, that's good. All right. Mine's interesting. I don't know if it's entirely possible. I think it could happen. Um, and you got a nice gallery to play with. And I think the, the company to make it happen would be Blumhouse. And I think... Money-wise, they could bring it all together. I want to see the slasher villain SmackDown. So I want to see a universe where not only Freddy and Jason exist, which they've done so already, but I want Michael Myers in there. I want a pinhead. I want Ghostface. I want Leatherface. I want Chucky. Any of these guys who have been legends throughout the 80s and 90s, bring them together in a world where they all kind of live and they're all slashing. And bring them together. And, you know, I love horse so much. Years ago, they wrote a comic book. It was Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, Bruce Campbell. He could be the kind of the Van Helsing element in that oh, kind man. of series. Jesse, that would make a fortune. Yeah, bring Bruce Campbell and have him being the guy that has to like go like hunt down the Myers and the Leatherface, and just kind of just. Have they could him. even use him with the Egyptian Book of the Dead as the unifying element to bring them all together. I yeah. love that. As cheesy as a lot of that sounds, like to see all of those guys, like to me, that's it was cool to see the Avengers on stream. But like the slasher villains, the Freddies and the Jasons and the Michaels and the Chuckies, the, they were the '80s version of the Avengers. Like those guys were legends. Yeah, and they didn't make nine sequels for a reason. They all made money, mm-hmm. so. Find a way to bring them all. I mean, Blumhouse made that new Halloween. Uh, find a way to title. The trick would be getting all the rights, but that's it's, it's the, doable. That's the biggest trick. No, it's but, doable. You know, if you could, that could that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it, it's only meant to be fun. Don't think you're getting Godfather out of those films. Just have a blast with it. Okay, but to that, yeah. a larger thing that's sort of controlling them, and I don't know if that's the head of the slashers, which to me would probably be Michael. Yeah. You can tell that in the same structure that you did the Avengers Mm -hmm. and the conquest of like each one of those guys has a relic, Jesse. Yeah. And it's the collection of whether it's a mask or the glove or the sweater or the relics of them to collect them to create. Oh, my. Here's another thing. Of course, it would be fun. Here's another thing I I always wanted to see like Alien versus Predator. While great on paper, doesn't always pay off. But what would be great was to see the people that took them down initially see them team up. So, like, if you had, like, Dutch Schwarzenegger and Sigourney Weaver Ripley team up to take down the threat, you could do that here. You not only bring Bruce Campbell, bring Jamie Lee Curtis, bring Heather Langen, like, bring those final girls, Sidney Prescott, as, like, this team of, like, I don't want to get too... What's legal- the gal's name from um, Chucky? Child's Play, what's her name? Uh, poker Plan Chick? 
Oh, uh, Jennifer Tilly? There you go. Yeah. And that that's kind of like, I don't want to get too League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because that, that's kind of a, a great idea, but a terrible film. A terrific read. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, mm-hmm. that you could have this kind of collective force that has to fight that force. I like it. That could be fun. That could be great. Another honorable mention was a universe built around Nintendo. You know, if they made Detective Pikachu, you find a way to do like a Mario that's not Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Uh, you find a way to do Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. uh, like all these, like Metroid, mm-hmm. and do kind of like a Super Smash Brothers type thing mm-hmm. with like those characters. That that was that's an honorable mention, but I don't think the cinematic universe is for every franchise. I think years ago they they talked about you know Bond wanting to explore that. I don't think it works with Bond. I don't want to watch a Blofeld origin film. Like, that sounds absurd. And I'm the biggest Bond fan you'll ever meet. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it works for every franchise. But in some, I think you could have some fun with it. I think any of the three we mentioned could be really good. Yeah. Those, or, well, four if you want to include the Dark World sure, as well. Sure, Or Dark Universe, Dark mm-hmm. World. Yeah, I like all that. Excellent. Let's do it. So, sweet. So, this has been fun. This is just a small batch. We're only sticking with Godzilla this week. Maybe we'll come to the Lizard again. Maybe we'll tackle some of those those older Godzilla films. That could be some fun, kind of hilarious banter we could have with those. But next week, we're getting right back on, on the wagon. We got a new cast coming up, and it is called the Summer Tentpole Hall of Fame. And we're starting with the doozy. We're starting with the film that started it all. In fact, Matt, do you hear that? Do you hear that right now? Yes, I do. It sounds like John Williams. Next week, we will be looking at Jaws from 1975, which is... You know, you want to know why you have an Avengers Endgame and transformers and superheroes and all these films it's it's partially because of cleopatra and we've talked about that before but this is the film that just blew up the summer and showed you that films could be released in the summer and be profitable and boy was this film profitable but launched the career of maybe the most prolific director in our lifetime uh and just the behind the scenes stuff like the fact that this movie was originally called leviathan rising yeah and the fact that nothing we, nothing worked. We almost didn't get this movie mm-hmm. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Not just once. Like, a couple of times this movie was shit-canned. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about Jaws. It's always... It's one of those films that whenever it's on, I can always just watch it and pick up, like, wherever it's at. The Indianapolis scene is iconic, to say the least. I can't wait to talk about that oh, yeah. specifically. Yep. But we got that coming next week. And we got some kick-ass films coming weeks after that. So... Yeah, this is all moving towards uh, the summer season and then a big contemporary film when this cast is over, which we won't mm-hmm. divulge yet, but you guys can do the math. Excellent. It's going to be great. So, all right. So, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. I got to go. Like uh, My Orca device is malfunctioning. I got to go communicate with some Titans. Maybe not bring them all to Boston. How about that? Yeah, I've got some Mothra spores I'm going to sprinkle on my lawn in the backyard, too, because it's looking a little weak <laughs> I right hope now. you get some good grass. <laughs> Excellent, everybody. We'll see you next week. Everybody, have a good week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, 
YouTube, Stitcher, or leave us an email at ricemileproductions at gmail.com. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Toho, and Legendary Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. <laughs> <laughs>